Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Uses to encourage and strengthen you. Hallelujah. Knowing this, that when I come forth, I shall come forth as pure gold that has been tried in the fire. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I wonder, can you reach your hand over on the shoulder of your neighbor? And I want you to pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, we pray victory over every life, we pray victory over every circumstance. We pray victory over every family. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray victory. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Over every life. Come on, over every circumstance. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Thank you for the victory. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles, I know that we're praying. I know God's doing great things here in the altar. Amen. But I believe the atmosphere is right for the Word of God. How many of you know the greatest victories come through the Word? Amen. I, I thank God for what we can experience. And I know people are having great experiences right now. Possibly even today at this altar, people receiving the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful that the book of Acts is still alive today? Amen. The same Holy Ghost that was poured out on the day of Pentecost is still being poured out today. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Amen. Matthew chapter number 2. We're going to begin in verse number one. We're going to continue through the 12th verse. Amen. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, 
They departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto this king gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I just want to glance back at verse number one. I'm not going to preach on this, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost today. The Bible says, amen, that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was in the days of Herod the king. Herod was evil. Herod was wicked. Herod sought, sought to destroy Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that it was in the days of Herod. Can I tell you, the devil may have his day, but God is going to win in the end. It might be right now in the days of Herod, but Jesus always wins in the end. Herod is going to have his day, but Jesus is going to have eternity. Somebody right now, you might be going through it, but you need to give God praise because Herod had his day. Come on, Herod had his day. Now it's Jesus' turn. Now it's time for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to rule and to reign supreme. Amen. Tell your neighbor, Herod had his day, but now it's Jesus' turn. Hallelujah. Herod had his day, but now it's Jesus' turn. Amen. Amen. I want to, I'm beginning a series today. Amen. And we'll continue throughout the next few weeks. But the series that we're going to be starting today just simply is on this thought, gifts that wise men bring. Amen. Everybody say gifts that wise men bring. The Lord bless you. Turn and greet two or three people around you. Amen. Tell somebody nearby that you're glad to see them today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody else. Give me just a moment. Amen. Gifts that wise men bring. There was an art contest held in a local school Chris, uh, one Christmas season a few years ago in East Texas. Anybody ever been to East Texas? I have you know they talk a little different out there. One of the prize winners of that art contest held in East Texas was a picture that was drawn by a nine-year-old boy that showed three men offering gifts to baby Jesus in a manger. What made the picture unique, many other kids that drew pictures that were similar, but what made this picture unique was how those three presents presented by those three wise men arrived. There was a fire truck on the side of the picture. Amen. The gifts that were presented were being brought in on a fire truck. The principal asked the boy about his decision to draw the truck, and the boy in his heavy East Texas accent was quick to reply, well, the Bible says that wise men came from a fire. I'm not going to preach today for the next three weeks about wise men that came from a fire, but I am going to preach about wise men that came from afar. I have found that while the gospel writings of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus are concise, they are captivating. Amen. What they lack in longevity they make up for 
in a powerful punch. If you count all the verses that are surrounding the birth of Jesus, including the messages that were delivered by angels to Mary and Joseph, which preceded the birth of Jesus, if we were very generous and counted every verse even loosely connected to the nativity narrative, it would number just over 80 verses in total. And when you consider that over, the Bible is comprised of over 31,000 verses in the entirety of the Scripture, and all of them pointed from Genesis to Revelation, all of those verses pointed back to this moment where Jesus would be born. All the way back in the book of Genesis, after Adam and Eve have sinned, and there was a prophetic messianic, messianic prophecy that was spoken, spoken of the seed that would come forth from the woman. And that seed, that the serpent would bruise the heel of that seed, but that, that seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That was pointing forward to the birth of Jesus. 31,000 verses later in the book of Revelation, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is seated upon the throne. And the victory that was given over all authority and over all principality was in the name of Jesus that was prescribed in this moment that we speak of today. 31,000 verses, all of them pointing to the birth of Jesus. And yet the narrative of his birth is summarized in just over 80 verses. It seems to be an abbreviated assembly of information. Yet within those 80 verses, it is the contrast of the bold and vibrant characters that almost jump off the pages of the scripture. Angelic salutations heralding an immaculate conception to a trembling virgin. I want you to imagine right now in your mind the contrast of these characters. Amen. An angel that appears to a trembling virgin. Amen. That, that is a, a contrast of powerful, mighty angels and, and a lowly, trembling virgin. And yet as they meet together, there is a message of immaculate conception that is conveyed. Amen. Another situation where we find contrasting characters as lowly shepherds tremble in their field, in the field watching their sheep by night. And the Bible tells us that suddenly there is a heavenly host of God. A man lowly shepherds trembling in the field as a powerful choir of heavenly angels began to sing of the wonderful message of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it is the contrast of these characters that jump off the pages and cause us to take notice. A troubled fiancé. Shaken by the incomprehensible and unbelievable news that this, his soon-to-be bride is with child of the Holy Ghost. Again, this contrasting, uh, this con contrast of characters as we find Joseph, the, the troubled fiancé, an angel comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, fear not because that which is, uh, that, that, that which is in your fiancé, Mary, is of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and it's the contrast of the angel in the dream and a, a trembling, fearful fiancé dealing with difficult news but it's in this contrast that heaven appears to humanity one more contrast that I would bring out of the pages of scripture treasure bearing magi seeking audience with a coming messiah standing in the courtroom of a malicious king Herod again 
a contrast of characters. We have the Magi, also known as wise men, who the Bible tells us have come bearing gifts. And because they bring three gifts, we suppose there are three men. But probably it was more likely an entourage of men that had come and they brought treasures. It wasn't little rap packages with bows around them. There were wagons full of treasure as they came to worship this king. And now as these wise men, as we call them, stood in the courtroom of an evil, malicious man who wanted nothing more than to destroy and to kill Jesus. And as and y'all going to have to help me preach, by the way. All right, if you came for an entertaining Christmas message, you came to the wrong church, all right? I didn't come today to entertain you. I came to help you out a little bit today. I didn't come to entertain you today. I came to help somebody. So don't sit back and, and give me golf claps. I didn't, I didn't come for golf. This ain't a 15-foot putt, all right? And as these characters collide together, it is a, as a crescendo of a masterful symphony. On, on the sta- as the, the greatest story ever is told, is played upon the stage as humanity and eternity come together. Can, can you feel the Christian? That's what Christmas feels like to me. It's not just presents and, and red and green and Christmas music, but it's the crescendo of God come down to man. Amen. It's the crescendo of God's purpose and God's plan. Amen. As humanity and eternity meet together. I find that each year as these contrasts are studied, I, I challenge you, look into the Gospels and begin to study these contrasts of characters. And as we do, and as I do each year, as I prepare to preach at this time of the year, I find that rich and vibrant truths are both revealed and remembered, not only about what happened 2,000 years ago, but about a message of Jesus being born even today. Amen. Can I tell you that it is the will of God that somebody today would experience afresh and anew the birth of Jesus in your life today. Christmas isn't just about a baby in a a stable in Bethlehem. It's about a Savior in this house today. In particular today, I want to study closely the contrast between these wise men that have come from afar and the wicked, arrogant, self-absorbed King Herod. Both of our core cast of characters, the wise men and Herod, and even those assembled in the courtroom there, the scribes and the chief priests, and we'll talk about them in a moment, but everybody in this room, as we could take just a snapshot right now as the wise men and Herod and the chief priests and the scribes are all gathered in this room. They all have one thing in common. They don't have much in common. In fact, for the most of our time this morning, we're going to look at what they do not have in common. But they do have one thing in common, not only with each other, but also with everybody in this room today, and that is opportunity. Amen. Everybody that was in that room today and on that day and everybody in this room today, you share the same thing with them as they share with each other, and that is opportunity. You have the same opportunity as I have. You have the same opportunity as the wise men did. You have the same opportunity as Herod did. You have the same opportunity to say, I am going to worship Jesus. Whether you do or not is up to you. But one thing we've all got today is we've got another opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. 
opportunity. If you got one more breath in your body, you've got another chance to give him praise. If you've got one more day on this earth, you've got one more opportunity. Herod had the same opportunity as the wise men. The chief priests had the same opportunity as the wise men. They all stand at the same point in time, privy to the same news and the same information, both aware of the implications of what this news means. And yet what distinguishes them today was not how much money they had. Amen. It wasn't their title, their position. What distinguished them was the choices that they made. Can I tell you, in eternity, it's not the clothes that you wear today. It's not the amount of money in your bank account today. Amen. It's not the title that you have today. You don't have to be a preacher or a pastor, amen, but it's going to be the decisions that you make today that would distinguish you in eternity. We used to sing it this way, amen, if you don't want to praise him, don't hinder me. Oh, y'all don't want to help me preach today. It's a decision that I'm making that if you're not going to praise him, I'm going to anyhow because I recognize that I have an opportunity. And it's not our title, position, wealth, good looks, or lack thereof, age. None of those things will be what distinguish us in eternity. But it is the choices that we make when we had moments of opportunity. We see the choices revealed in the gifts that they bring. And I'm not talking about the obvious gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We know about those. But I believe there are some implied gifts. There are some intangible gifts that the wise men bring that are well beyond the wealth of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I believe the first of these gifts that I'm going to preach about today becomes most apparent when placed upon the backdrop of the actions of King Herod the Great. We're going to be most able to recognize the gift that the wise men bring when we first look at the gift that Herod did not bring. Over the next few weeks, we'll look at, into the person of Herod. But for the sake of time today, I want to focus on the actions and the reactions of Herod. Now, if you're writing notes down, you want to write these down because I'm just simply going to identify a four-step process that I believe identified not only this biblical character by the name of Herod, but a process that unfolds in each of our lives when we do these things, when our pursuit is of self rather than a savior. When our pursuit is self rather than a savior. How many of you know you can come to church still pursuing self? Just because you came to church today doesn't mean you're pursuing a savior. Amen. There's a lot of people that come to church because they're, they're looking to get something out of it. Amen. They're, they're not really there to get a Savior. They just want, they just want, a, they, they want a quick fix. They, they want the preacher to give them a word that will roll the guilt back off of them for another week. Amen. I don't know about you today, but I came today because I need a Savior. I need a Savior. This process that I'm going to walk us through today in the Scripture it unfolds when we seek our desires rather than his will. Amen. Amen. Again, you can come to church. and You can clap and you can dance and you can shout, you can sing. You might even take a lap with Brother James and still be seeking your will rather than his desires. 
This process unfolds in our lives when our treasures are of this world rather than of his kingdom. Amen. I'm simply going to outline this self-seeking process, and then we'll look at it more closely. In verse 3, the Bible says, when Herod heard these things, you could circle or underline or just write it on your page right now. The first step is Herod heard. In verse 4, when Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. The second step is Herod demanded. In verse 7, the Bible says, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. The third step is Herod inquired of them. Herod inquired. And in verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And the final step in this process is Herod sent. Summarizing those four steps, Herod heard, Herod demanded, Herod inquired, and Herod sent. Amen. Now, I simply want to contrast the process of Herod before we dig back into it. I want to, process, I want to contrast the process of Herod the four-step process we just talked about with a much simpler process, a much shorter process. It's the process of wise men who seek Jesus. In verse number two, the Bible simply says this. The wise men said, we have seen. Everybody say, we have seen. And then one phrase later it says, we have come. And that's all there is to it. Amen. Herod had to go through a four-step process. Amen. Where he first he heard, and then he demanded, and then he inquired, and then he sent. But wise men don't have to go through all that. They simply see it, and they do it. We have seen, and we have come. Already, without digging into it, our contrast of the wise men and Herod, we see the complexity of the revelation of Jesus in the life that is seeking self over those that are seeking a say. Can I tell you that trying to live for Jesus without removing yourself off the throne is a difficult process? Amen. Y'all sleeping on me today. Trying to live for Jesus. My dad used to say it this way. Living for Jesus is hard when you try to do it easy. But living for Jesus is easy when you do it hard. Herod, it gets real complicated. It's a real complicated process. Amen. When you're not willing to abdicate the throne. Herod, you're never really going to get the point when you've got to stay on the throne. That's why some of you here today aren't growing in your relationship with God because you're trying to figure out how can I get closer to Jesus and still get what I want out of this thing, and it doesn't work that way. The only way you can get closer to Jesus is you got to get off the throne. It gets really easy when you get closer to Jesus. It gets really easy when you say, I don't need a baby in a manger. I need a king. When you try to come to Jesus while simultaneously making sure your throne is not threatened, it's a terribly messy, painful, complicated process. That was Herod's deal. The news of Jesus was a threat to Herod. The news of a baby born, listen, 
What did the wise men say? We're looking for the king of the Jews. One problem. That was the title Herod had right now. Herod was currently, the, so he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm the king of the Jews. Oh, no, no, there, there's a baby being born. That's the king. So Herod understood by the words of the wise men, he understood in order to let, in order to seek and worship Jesus meant he was going to have to get off the throne. And that was the problem right there. And I know we can shake our head at, the, at Herod 2,000 years ago, but it's the same reason some of you are not gaining any ground in your walk with God. It's because Jesus is a threat to you. Because you realize that in order to serve Jesus, you're going to have to stop doing some things. Thank you for the 15-foot putt clap. In order to really serve Jesus, you're going to have to stop going some places. In order to really serve Jesus, you're going to have to sever some relationships. And when you try to serve Jesus while holding on to things that you know you got to let go of, it gets to be really complicated. And the process of a selfish pursuit of Jesus is longer than it has to be. Some of, let me stop saying some of you. Some of us should be so much further in our walk with God than we are. Again, I know y'all don't want to help me today. I'm going to preach anyhow, all right? I didn't come for your approval. I'm going to preach what the Word says today. Some of you should be so much further in your walk with God. You should be so much more mature in your faith that you are, but you're not willing to abdicate the throne, and so the process has become painful and messy, and it doesn't have to be that way. And it all starts, it all begins with our awareness. The wise men saw, here it heard. It all starts with awareness. The scripture tells us that the wise men saw the star, and the Bible goes on to tell us that the Herod heard that the wise men had saw a star. If you look at every experience concerning Jesus' birth in Herod's life, amen, every one of them have one thing in common. He heard what others saw. He demanded of others. He inquired of others. He sent others. Every encounter that Herod ever had with Jesus was a third-person experience. Every encounter Herod had with Jesus was somebody else getting a breakthrough for him. Somebody else getting a revelation for him. Somebody else praying for It's time for some of you to get out of third-person living and saying, I'm going to get it for myself. I'm tired of hearing what you saw. I want to see it for myself. Guess what? Herod never saw the star. Never did. Never saw it. He only had conversations with others who had seen the star. And your awareness. Let me see. Well, why didn't he see it? Because he wasn't looking for it. Amen. You're going to see what you are looking for. If, well, I, you know, there's people in the church are hypocrites. Yep, and that's what you're going to find if that's what you come looking for. 
Well, people in the church are just a bunch of sinners too, just like, and that's what you're going to see if that's what you're looking for. But if you walk into church and say, I'm looking for the king, that's what you're going to find. I didn't come to see your flaws. I didn't come to see hypocrites. I came to see the king. I want to make somebody irritated with hearing what others see, and I want to get you hungry to see it for yourself. I'm tired of hearing about how God gave you peace. I want to get peace for myself. I'm tired of hearing about how worship makes a difference in your life. I want to see it for myself. Come on, somebody. Did you come to see Jesus today? Or did you just come to hear a preacher talk about Jesus? Did you come to get breakthrough today? Or did you just come to hear a preacher talk about his breakthrough? And every Sunday all across our nation, people file into churches to hear a preacher talk about what God spoke to him that week. And they've been busy watching Netflix and playing video games, and God ain't said nothing to them. That ain't wise. I mean, that, that's a Herod spirit waiting to be birthed in your life. What you need to do is say, God, all week long, I want to see the star. And then when I come to church on Sunday, God is going to confirm what I've already seen. It ought not be that you come to church week after week and just hear a preacher talk about what he has seen. But you've got to start seeing some things for yourself. Your awareness will determine your experience. What are you seeing today? Well, I saw, I saw Sister So-and-so over there. I saw the way she looked at me. I, I saw them walk right by me and didn't even shake my head. Listen, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, you're going to see it. If you came to church to get offended, my God, I promise you before the day is over, we're going to give you. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, wait around. We'll give it to you. But if you came today to say, you know what, I came to see Jesus. I came to see his star. I came to see Jesus. Guess what? You won't get offended and you won't be let down and you won't be disappointed. But you leave here better than you came and you leave here encouraged. Stop having conversations with people who are seeing things and start seeing things yourself. I could stop preaching right there until you've already given you enough to help you. I could stop preaching. I could put the microphone right now and say you're dismissed, and I've given you enough ammo to defeat every devil in your life. It's not the preacher's job to give you fresh revelation. It's your job to open up your Bible and read until you see the star. There is, there is no vicarious Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost ain't the third person in the Trinity, and you ain't going to get no third person Holy Ghost. Some of you, I just blew your theology to smithereens twofold. There is no secondhand salvation. Well, I'll just let dad and mom live for God, and I'll make it into heaven off of mom and dad. Ain't going to happen. There is no, there is no proxy anointing. 
But I, I want to get me under a, a great minister who's got an anointing on his life. And, and because I place myself under his ministry and his anointing, I'll have an, that ain't how it works. Yes, I believe in submission. But there is no proxy anointing. The only way you're going to get anointed is you got to get alone with Jesus for yourself. You're going to have to spend time in prayer. And you're going to have to spend time fasting. And you're going to have to spend time in the Word. We, come on, wise men, we have seen his star. We have, I didn't hear about it from somebody else. I saw it for myself. Every bit of information Herod gets about Jesus is him asking somebody else who has seen it for themselves. He demands of the chief priests and scribes, he demands of them, where was the Christ born? Where should the Christ be born? Why? Because he knew that they had seen it. He didn't have any relationship with the scripture, but he knew somebody who did. Everything in Herod's world, and some of you have been living for God long enough, you should know some things you don't know. Well, where, where does it say in the Bible that I need the Holy? You should have known that by now. Well, well, nobody said, sh sh shut off Netflix and Fox and all the other junk. But well, I need somebody to sit. Listen, some things can be solved if you just get hungry for the right things. If you start getting hungry for the word, God will fill you with good things. Well, I, I just, I don't believe that holiness is that big of an issue. That's because you don't see it in the scripture. That's because you're not spending time in the word. You're spending time in chat rooms and times playing video games. You're not going to get revelation that way. The best you can do living that life is ask somebody who's seen. But when you see it for yourself. I really am not trying to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm trying to help somebody today that you don't have to live your walk with God hearing wise men talk about God. You can get a hold of God for yourself. Verse 7, he inquires of the wise men, when had the star appeared? Why? Because he knew that they had seen it. He's asking other people who have had experiences to explain to him why. Because he's never had them for himself. And you will never find Jesus the Messiah. You will never find Jesus as your redeemer. You will never find Jesus as your peace speaker. You will never find Jesus as your healer through somebody else's experience. I feel like I should just dismiss half of you because you already got it, apparently. It's not, what, it's not about your hand claps. There's a resistance coming today. And I'm asking you to just open up your spirit and let God speak to you today, all right? You don't have to say amen. You don't have to clap. You don't have to do any of that. Just stop putting up walls and let the word come through and talk to you. When you're always hearing what others are seeing, you will never find Jesus as the living water. You will never find Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection through a third-person pursuit. You will never experience his presence through somebody else's worship. I know we're in holiday. We just ate Thanksgiving dinner, and we're probably still in that turkey slump. But, but I came to challenge somebody today. It's time to stop letting somebody else worship for you. Come on, it's time to stop letting somebody else worship for you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Praise ye the Lord. Come on, Herod. Stop waiting for mama to get your breakthrough. Stop waiting for daddy to get your breakthrough. I wish pastor would get a breakthrough so I could have, hey, you can get one for yourself. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. somebody get a breakthrough right now for yourself well I need somebody on the keyboard that's a Herod mentality you don't need somebody else you can do it on your own I've got the power to raise my hands I've got the power to lift my voice Well, pastor, not me. I, I'm, a, I'm still a teenager. I, don't, I got mom and dad to do that. Mom will get her breakthrough, and that's good enough for me. It don't work that way, baby. Uh, you're going to have to make up in your mind today. Uh, I know how to get a breakthrough on my own. Uh, it's time for this young generation to stop being controlled by depression and anxiety. Uh, and it's time for you to see him for yourself, uh, that God can give you victory. Hallelujah. But I like what the psalmist said in Psalms 34 and 8. Herod, I know you're over there hearing what other people saw, but I like what the psalmist said. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, hey, you can do it all by yourself. You can get an experience with God for yourself. You can get a breakthrough for yourself. I wish somebody get loose in the Holy Ghost for just a minute. I wish somebody let the devil know we've got victory in Jesus. You don't need pastor to pray for your family. You can do it for yourself. Come on, why don't you get up and give God some praise right now? Why don't you make up in your mind, I'm not going to hear, I'm going to see it. Oh, taste and see. See it for yourself. The Lord is good. We have seen his star. I didn't just hear somebody talking about it. I experienced it for myself. And when you taste my Jesus, amen, when you taste and see, you're going to see that he is good. And you're going to find there's honey in the rock for you. You're going to find there's peace in the storm for you. You're going to find there's joy in the morning for you. You're going to find there's strength in the struggle. Come on, there's a breakthrough in this building right now. Some of you are waiting on somebody else to bring it. We have seen his star. We've seen what he can do. We've experienced 
what worship can do. We've experienced what praise can do. I didn't come today. I love you, Brother Silvati, but I didn't come today for you to praise for me. I came to do it for myself. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this building right now. God is trying to give somebody a first-person experience of what he can do. It's time to stop waiting on somebody else to do it for you. Stop listening for others to talk about it and see God do it for yourself. Somebody's doing it back there for themselves. Somebody's getting a hold of God up here for themselves. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise right now. All right, I'm going to try to push through because I know the Holy Ghost is moving right now and I could just let that happen. And if I felt like that's what was needed, I would. But I feel like there's some other things God wants to speak right now, so I'm going to try to hurry through it. The wise men did not call for scribes or priests. They didn't ask for interpreters of dreams. They didn't demand of anybody. They didn't inquire of anybody. They simply saw and they came. Everybody say it with me. They saw and they came. They saw it, and they moved toward it. I see it in the scripture, and I moved toward it. Pastor, that's not revelatory. Ain't that, that's not going to make it on Instagram. doesn't need to make it on Instagram. See, some of you only get moved by wow factors. If it's alliterated and rhymes, ooh, that was powerful. Let me give you something more powerful. They saw it, and they obeyed. They saw it, and they moved. And some of you right now, you're seeing it, and you're not moving. You hear the preacher get up and preach about it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you stay right where you are. And that's when the process gets really complicated. Well, I see it in the Scripture, but I just don't feel that conviction. And that ain't how it works. Wise men see the star, and they walk. Wise men see revelation, and they move. I don't need to get convinced about it. I don't need you to tell me about it. If I see it, I'm going to move. When Herod heard, but didn't move, he started... What was the reason? They started asking all kinds of questions. Well, where is he and who is he and what is he and where is he at and what is it? And that's where some of you are stuck in this circle of questions. Well, do I got to do it? And what if I don't do it? And who's going to make me do it? And, and what if I don't? And what if my family went blah, 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 blah. And you live fruitless walks with God. And you never get to where Jesus is because you're stuck in a place of question. Why don't you start being wise and say, if I see it in the scripture, I'm going to move toward it. 
If I see it in the word of God, I'm going to walk. And you know what's going to happen? It's what happened to the wise men next. They began to rejoice and they began to worship. Joy is going to come back into your life. The wise men just had one question. They said, where's the king? Where's he at? I, I know. Well, Herod asked the same. It was a totally different question. It may, same words might have been involved, but it was a different. When Herod said, where is the Christ? It was like a jet, uh, a fighter pilot trying to find the bogey over his shoulder. That was about to blow him out of the sky. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? Terrified, fearful. But when the wise men said, where is the king? They had been, this was the culmination of their pursuit. They had been looking for Jesus. They had been walking for months, perhaps even years, looking for Jesus. This wasn't a terrified thing. It was all right. We've done what we need to do. Well, now where's he at so we can worship him? And it cuts out a lot of questions. Hear me. When you're seeking a king. Another one, not going to make it. Isaiah, put that on Instagram for me, all right? Just because I know it won't normally make it there. Cuts out a lot of questions when you're seeking a king. We get stuck in questions when we don't want a king. We want a buddy. We want a pal. We want a God that will touch us and make us feel better, but we don't want to. You know, we're Americans. We live in a democracy where we get a vote. When you have a king, you don't get a vote. A king is supreme power and authority. And whatever the king says goes. And when you're seeking a king, it cuts out. A, I don't need to know who saw it and where it was. I just need to know where's the king. I'm ready to get off of this throne and let God rule. Some of you need to get off the throne and let God rule. You need to let the king Well, can I still drink alcohol and make it to heaven? You know what that question is? That's a question of you seeking a buddy, not a king. All right. Well, can we still dabble in same-sex relationships and still make it? You know what that is? Again, that's the result of you not wanting a king. You don't want a king. You want an advisor. You want somebody to give you suggestions. You don't want a king. Because when the king walks in, the king says, that's got to go, and that's got to go, and this has got. And you say, that's all right. That's what I wanted. I, that's what I was looking for. I came looking for a king. Come on, somebody. The king is in the house. I wonder if anybody came looking for a king today. All right, I got the 15% factor. 15% of you came looking for a king. I wonder if the other 85% of you today, did you come looking for a king? You reign. You rule. I'm a nobody. I've got nothing. You're in control. I like to see somebody walk up in Queen Elizabeth's palace. Why do I have to do that, queen? Off with her head. 
Don't question the queen. Don't question the king. What they say is supreme, and that's what the wise men came seeking. They weren't seeking a spiritual advisor. They weren't seeking some spiritual suggestion. They realized if I keep walking the way I've been walking, my life is going to end up in ruin. I need a king to sit on the throne. I need a God who is holy to sit on the throne. I need a God who is just to sit on the throne. Clap your hands right now and give the king praise. Some of you need to get out of your own heads. Some of you need to get out of your own heads. You're walking around in circles asking questions. When if you would just see the star, you would come and worship him. It doesn't have to be as complicated as you're making it. It doesn't have to be as difficult as you're making it if you would just see that he is the king and you would let him reign and rule in your life. The result would be that you would come and you would worship him. No questions asked. Because of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. Truly, the questions go away when you're seeking a king, when you're ready to abdicate the throne. When you aren't just looking for a sensation, but you're seeking a savior. Cuts out a lot of questions. wonder how many of you have been serving the Lord for 20 years or plus. How many of you, 20 years or plus, God stopped asking things of you 20 years ago? How many of you, 20 years or plus, God's still asking things of you? Look around you right now. Amen. I'm going to tell you why those folks with their hands raised are still in the fight. Why they're still growing and why they're still maturing because they learned a long time ago what the wise men revealed. I see and I go. God asked of me and I go. Amen. He's my king. I've surrendered everything to him. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And the quicker you will learn that, I'm going to say, if some of you will just implement what I'm telling you right now, your growth is going to be astronomical. Amen. Your maturity is going to be mind-blowing. You just come. You come as you are. You come broken. You come hurting. You feel the Holy Ghost. You come lost. You come in need. You come in desperation. But whatever you do, you just come. Hallelujah. Verse 8 tells us that Herod sent them to Bethlehem. See, when it starts out with a third person awareness, it leads with a third-person pursuit. Because I only heard about what you saw. Now when I need to get something from God, I say, hey, you go. Pastor, you go. Brother Andre, you seek. Brother Silvati, you search diligently. You're an elder. You're more mature in the faith than I am. You go find Jesus. And after you find him, pastor, you go get a word from God and come back next Sunday and tell me what you found. And after you find something from Jesus, I'll receive it. No, that's not really here. If that's really how you're serving God, you're going to kill what the preacher brings you back next Sunday anyhow because you're not really hungry anyhow. I know I'm preaching tough today, but I'm trying to help some of you. Some of you are spiritually stagnant and stuck, and God is trying to help you today. Amen. It's not my job to go find Jesus and bring him back to you. You know what you need to do? You need to go and find him for yourself. 
Herod said, hey, wise men, go search diligently and find him. And when you find him, come and tell me what you found. And that's Christianity 2022. Go, oh, preacher, go find Jesus. And when you find him, come back and tell me what you found. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to be in church every Sunday. I'm going to do me, and you do you, preacher. And when you find Jesus, bring him back. can't do your seeking for you. It's not my job to do your spiritual growth for you. Yes, I have a responsibility to this body to find Jesus every week and bring something back. But that should not be the first time you've heard what I bring to this pulpit. It should be all week long. God has been speaking to you. And when I step to this pulpit, I'm simply confirming what God has already been speaking to you. Amen. It's not my job to go find Jesus for you. It's your job to stand up and say, I'm not going to let my family die in spiritual poverty. I'm not going to sit here all week long indulging in this world and then expect my preacher to bring me back a little Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You have a responsibility to stand up and say, family, we're going to go find Jesus. Come on, family, we're going to shut off Netflix, take away the kids' iPhones. And family, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go find Jesus. And when we find him, we're going to worship him. Wise men saw Herod sent. The wise men came. They came to Jerusalem first because common sense said that's where a king would be. But as soon as they found out that's not where he was, they kept on moving. It was a spiritual hunger. We're going to get to that next time we come together. And this particular collision of characters. That I address when we began this morning. In the same room we have Herod, the king of Judah. Chief priest describes one thing those men have in common. They live just a few miles from Bethlehem. They have greater access than the wise men did. They have greater understanding than the wise men. In fact, Herod steps in front of them and says, where is this child supposed to be born? And without delay, they said, Bethlehem. They had all the knowledge, but they had no hunger. They lived just a few miles away, but they never went there. Listen, you've got more access to God than 99% of this community does. And yet Sunday after Sunday, some of you sit there and never move toward what God is calling you to. You've got access. You've, got a, you've heard more of the gospel than 99% of this world, and yet you never move. All right, pastor, now you're just being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to rescue somebody's soul. I'm trying to reach for somebody. Because knowledge will never replace hunger. Access will never replace hunger. Everyone in this room, you know how to get in the presence of God. It's so easy. Right now, I can raise my hands and close my eyes and begin to magnify the Lord. And like that, I'm in the presence of God. 
And some of you with that knowledge, Sunday after Sunday, refuse to even surrender enough to raise your hand. You have access, you have knowledge, you have understanding, but what you lack is hunger and desire. Can I tell you what separates wise men from evil kings? It's hunger, it's desire, it's not knowledge and access, but it's hunger. I ain't got much more preach left in me. I'm about to strip my voice and sweat every drop I got out of me. But I'm trying to help some of you because you're dying in Jerusalem when your salvation is waiting on you in Bethlehem. Standing in the same room. Standing in the same room with priests and scribes who were just miles away from Bethlehem. Who already had revelation of where the baby was going to be born. But standing in the same room with them were wise men who the Bible tells us travel from afar. They've traveled over hills. They've traveled through valleys. They've traveled through cold nights. And they've traveled through long days. And they've come. No easy access. They don't have understanding. This is not their promised king. He is not their coming Messiah. But they saw his star. And something will change when you see Jesus. first gift that wise men bring is themselves. The greatest gift you can bring today is not your wealth. It's not your talent nor your ability. But it's yourself without reservation. When you come just as you are. Luke Jesus, speaking in the gospel of Luke, said all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. More than all the righteous, more than the 99, more than all of those who have all the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the access to God. But when one sinner, one person in this building, listen, some of you are ready to go. God bless you. You're dismissed. I'm not reaching for you anymore. I'm done trying to preach to people that don't want to hear the word. I mean that you can go right now. I'm reaching for somebody in this room today that wants more of God. I mean it. If you're done with me, go. You're dismissed. Come back another Sunday. I'm not reaching for you any longer. If you're comfortable in your complacency, you are dismissed. But I'm reaching for some wise men today. There's some wise men in this room today that are saying, I'm tired of hearing about what others are getting, and I've got to see it. Come just as you are. Come on, wise men. Don't disqualify yourself because you don't know all the answers. It wasn't their wisdom and knowledge that brought them to Bethlehem. It was their hunger. 
Don't let your past failures disqualify you. Amen. Don't disqualify yourself because of your messed up past. Amen. Because you might feel like your access to God has been erased. I say today, just come. Just see Jesus and come. The greatest gift you can give is yourself. The greatest gift you can give to God is to come down to this altar and surrender yourself completely without reservation. Come on, somebody, I need you to come to this altar and we're going to humble ourselves before God. Oh God, I'm tired of hearing about what you can do through other people. I'm tired of a salvation, Lord, that is only vicarious. God, I'm tired of third-person breakthroughs. Lord, I want to experience you for myself. Come on, wise men, the greatest gift you can bring. The greatest gift you can bring. Somebody right now, bring yourself, bring your brokenness, bring your weariness. Come on, bring your failures, bring your mistakes. Come on, bring your troubled past. Bring it to Jesus. Come on, somebody. He is a savior. He is a way maker. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. We have seen and we have come. God, I'm not here to demand of somebody else. I'm not here to inquire of somebody else. I'm not here to send somebody else. But God, I have seen and I have come. Oh God, I see your star, oh Lord. I see you high and lifted up and now I'm pursuing after you, Lord. I believe this morning, everybody in this building, we can experience God. I believe everybody in this building, not, not just me. Don't send your preacher to get what you need from God. You can do it right now. But there's got to be a hunger for God. There's got to be a desperation. There's got to be a, a time where you step to the side and say, God, the throne is yours. It's never going to work. The longer you try to stay on the throne and seek Jesus, the more difficult it's going to be, the more questions you're going to have. The only time it's going to make sense it's when you get a wise man mentality and you say, Lord, if I see it, I'll do it. God, if I see it, I'll pursue it, Lord. God, if you ask me to do it, I'll go after it, Lord, whatever you ask of me. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands all across this room? I feel the Holy Ghost. God's trying to touch somebody right now. God's ready to move somebody from a third-person walk to a first-person walk. This might be the Sunday that you say, I saw a star. It's no longer me hearing about pastor talk about his star, but I saw it. Come on, somebody, that hunger is what's going to get you there. You're going to see what you're looking for. If you're ready to go see the Redskins play, God bless you. You're dismissed. You ain't going to find Jesus if that's where your mind is at. 
you're going to see what you're looking for. If you're desperate for a Savior, if you're desperate for a touch, the star will ascend. You will see the star. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.